Well, good evening, Hope Ottawa. Pastor Ray here. Love you so much. Uh, praying for you guys as you gather in Jesus' name. It's never just another Saturday. Amen. Come on. Keep the fervency. Even over the summer, keep the fervency, loved ones. Our God is great and is able to do more than we could ask for or imagine. Amen. And so right now, I have the privilege of introducing to you your guest preacher tonight. His name is Paul Whittingstall. And Paul is the director of the Great Commission Collective here in Canada. For those of you who may not know, Great Commission Collective is the fellowship of churches that we are a part of and so Paul is the director of all of the churches here in Canada and uh, so thankful for him and he and his wife Sue are here worshiping with us tonight I know you're gonna be blessed take some time to go up and introduce yourselves to them uh, tonight that would be a real blessing to them I know you're gonna be blessed as well all right so as Paul gets ready to come up here uh, let's open up our Bibles to 2nd Corinthians and uh, let's put our hands together to give Paul a warm hope Ottawa well, amen. And uh, since he said we're going to be in 2 Corinthians, I guess we better stay there. And uh, yeah, if you've got your Bibles, open them up. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 um, tonight in a message I've entitled The Focused Heart. But before we get there, um, just a couple things about GCC that your church is a part of, and we're excited about that. Um, I do need to tell you this, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, let them know and uh, they'll make sure they get one for you. And uh, if you don't have one, feel free to take it home. And uh, if you need one as a Christmas gift for someone later on this year, take one for them too. It's okay. Um, anyways, as the GCC, a movement of churches across Canada, for sure, across North America and around the world, but I'm excited about what God is doing uh, in Canada, and I just mentioned that in May, we had the privilege to welcome a new church into the GCC in Canmore, Alberta, and then uh, just uh, two weeks ago, we um, had the privilege to introduce the newest, well, the name of the church is Oakville Hope Chinese Church. And it's a Chinese church in Oakville, Ontario, and they are the newest church in the GCC. But along with that, we have seven different churches that I'm working with right now that are considering joining with us. Some churches that are um, on their own, and they've just, in that sense of, it's not good to be alone, and it's not good to be alone. Um, others are maybe coming out of a situation where a denomination is changing its theology, and they go, we can't stay there anymore. And so trying to care for them and love on them, and just a number of churches working. So you can pray for us in all of those things, uh, but we rejoice in the family that we have and uh, what God is doing in it. So, all right, as you think about a focused heart, um, what is it that you find is distracting you in your walk with the Lord or in these days? Um, we came in here tonight and somebody built a campfire out the back and I can smell the campfire. Now I can live with that, but my wife is just overwhelmed in love with that. Like that's, if you could bottle that and wear it as perfume, she would. And, um, and so, you know, it, it can be a thing that's a distraction. That's probably a good distraction. Uh, how many of you were distracted yesterday when you got up and realized you had no internet or no phone or no, and you were distracted? Now, some of our neighbors were out the front of our house talking with my wife and just like, is your internet out? Is your internet out? Like, what are we going to do now? These people, they work from home, and so they were, it was important to them. Um, I'm a Bell customer, so I just sat back and said, um, but they were distracted. 
And, and maybe you were distracted. And maybe even the distraction you had yesterday, as you look back at it, because it was just a first world problem, right? It, but it was a thing that you were just so frustrated and you need to go maybe home and sit down tonight and go, Lord, I didn't handle that well. It was just a distraction. Um, all kinds of things that distract us and, and we get our eyes off of what's important. Um, sometimes family can be a distraction off of what the most important things are. Family's not bad. Family's a priority. It's one of God's priority, but it's not the first priority. Um, maybe it's your health. Maybe it's making money. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's getting ahead. I, I don't know, but we find ourselves distracted. And even today, as you were thinking about church and coming to church, what was it that was the distraction in your life. I want to talk to you about two things from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 um, that I think will help us in a focused heart. You see, twice in this text, uh, Paul the Apostle uses the word, we do not lose heart. He says it at the end of verse 1, we do not lose heart. He said it in verse four, uh, 16, we do not lose heart. Things that are repeated in Scripture, you need to take note of them because they're important, and so twice here. And so what is it around those things that he was saying, we do not lose heart, that'll help us to stay focused in our walk with the Lord? And, uh, and so maybe you're losing heart. Maybe your zeal for the Lord isn't what it used to be. Maybe you're finding yourself distracted and overwhelmed. That, that idea of losing heart is the idea of being faint-hearted. The connotation is a lack of courage. But even coming out of that lack of courage is bad behavior or even evil conduct because you're losing heart, because your focus isn't where it used to be. You can remember those days when you got up in the morning, you spent time in the Word, when you spent time praying for people, when you were committed to serving the Lord, and you find yourself just kind of not where you used to be. And maybe you find yourself losing heart. You know, some signs that you might be losing heart is a lack of persistent prayer used to pray a lot more than you do. A lack of reliance on the Holy Spirit for wisdom. You find yourself just plowing through life, making your own decisions, and not even going to the Lord about the things that you're wondering about. Maybe, maybe it's a, a demonstrated in a lack of time in the Word. Maybe it's a you're growing weary and doing good. You're like, man, I've just been pouring out for people, and I've just been pouring out for people, and I've just been pouring out for people, and I'm tired of pouring out for people. Somebody needs to pour out for me. Um, I'm glad the Lord Jesus Christ never stopped pouring out for me. Maybe you're facing tribulation. Maybe you're legitimately going through a very difficult season, and you find yourself losing heart. Um, or maybe there's sin. Maybe there's sin. Uh, unconfessed, undealt with, unrestrained, and you find yourself losing you know what you have to do to drift in your spiritual life? Nothing. You do nothing, and you drift in your spiritual life. You know what you need to do to have weeds in your garden? Personal testimony? Nothing. Right? 
So I hope today and tonight is a call for us to look back at some things and see God for who he is and maybe get some priorities right as we're into the summer season that we would be people who are leaning in and trusting the Lord more and uh, we would not be people that it talks about who are losing heart. So our text is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Would you stand with me? I love it when we stand to read God's word and uh, I'm going to read, read you the whole chapter. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by open statements of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you, since we have this same spirit of faith according to what he has written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is for your sake, it's all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Lord, open our eyes to your word. Would we listen to your spirit? Would your spirit work in my life, my heart? Would your spirit come and work in our hearts? The the words of this man on the platform are worth nothing without the word of God, without the power of your spirit. And so, Lord, we ask, do. Please, God, do what only you can do in this place for your fame, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can take your seats. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is a whole sermon series. There's just so much that's there. And I'm going to kind of fly over the top of it because I want you to see two things um, tonight. There are two points to this message, but don't worry, i got lots of subpoints, so you'll be here for a little while. And, uh, but I want you to see two things tonight. But before we get to those things, I want you to notice the very first word, therefore. Therefore is one of those connecting words. If you've been in church all of your life, you've always heard a preacher say, if you see it therefore, ask yourself the question, what's it there for, right? Okay, so in this case... You could say, 
It could be everything that's written in the first three chapters up until this point probably would be true. Might be the last section probably would be true, but for sure it is the verse right before chapter 4. And it says, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transferred in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Taking hold of that truth and what God has done and God is doing in your life, then Paul moves to this. He says, Therefore, therefore, Having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. First point, we're focused on our calling. We have this ministry by the mercy of God. We have this ministry by the mercy of God. Now, I tend to be a grace guy. And let me tell you, if you go and study this passage and circle the word grace, you're going to find it in this text as well. But he starts out in the text by talking about, we have this ministry by the mercy of God. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And so he's saying, you have this ministry because you're not getting what you deserve. What an interesting thought. It's not new in Scripture. Lamentations 3 um, and verse uh, 22 and 23, you know those verses. It says, His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, right? God giving to us what we don't deserve is grace. God not giving to us what we deserve. You have this ministry by the mercy of God. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, right? So there's all kinds of verses about grace, but there's also all kinds of verses about how God does these things in our life as a mercy to us. And so Paul, and we're going to see some of the things in his life that really have challenged me in my own life, and we consider the mercies of God. He says, he says you have this ministry by the mercy of God, do not lose heart. You don't deserve this. This is awesome. Now, he's speaking to a church. And so those of you who serve in the church, if you're a, um, a regular here at the church, if this is your church, I hope you're serving in the church. And because that application is obvious, but think about your job. You have this job by the mercy of God. Don't lose heart. Now think about your family. You have this family by the mercy of God. You deserve way worse. You might think you have it tough. You deserve way worse. Maybe you might even be the problem in your family. You have this family by the mercy of God. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. So what are the circumstances that you find yourself in these days? You have this by the mercy of God. Paul lays out some um, things in the text that I want us to see, four things that I want us to see kind of coming out of this and what we should do when we understand we have this ministry by the mercy of God. As I said, we're going to do a flyover. If I was pastoring a church right now, this would be like an eight-week series, right? But that's okay. Biggest challenge in a pastor's life is how much do you bite off and how much do you, and you can do like one verse at a time and that's great, but you also need to be able to explain to somebody what the Bible is in five minutes, 
right? So we're going to do a flyover, flyover here in this text, thinking about Paul. And as he starts out with this, we have this ministry by the mercy of God. We will not lose heart. Here's the first thing. Be faithful. Be faithful. Look in verse 2. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We are not going to dilute the truth. We are not going to take shortcuts. We're not going to preach what God's word doesn't say. We are going to be faithful. We're not going to paint some picture for people. Trust Jesus and the rest of your life will be easy because it's just not found in scripture. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But the reality is you have the one who can carry you through all of those circumstances. You have the one who takes you through the difficulty. And so be faithful. Be faithful. Don't water down the gospel of Jesus Christ. I preached this message in the church that I used to pastor. It's still our home church. And um, I use this illustration. Um, you've heard the, uh, the, uh, the concept of ask Jesus into your heart. If you ask Jesus into your heart, right? That's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just not complete. It's just not complete, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ un understood brings about confession of sin. It brings about a repentance and a turning. And it brings about a believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so I'm not saying don't say that. I would say that I still say it. It's okay to say it, but we need to make sure we have the whole gospel when we present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a gospel without confession and a gospel without repentance isn't a true gospel. And so Paul's telling them in this text, be be faithful. Be faithful to the truth. If somebody promises you a new car and a new house and a big, when you trust Jesus, they're just peddling you something that's not found in God's word. Um, so be faithful and allow God to work. Allow him to put the pieces in place. In your workplace, be faithful. Allow God to work. It, it could cost you. It could cost you a promotion. It could cost you your job. But be faithful and watch how God will work and he will order your steps. So be faithful. He says in verse three, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The idea of veiled means to be covered up or blinded, even, even hated from the, the Greek word. Um, but look at the consequences for people who reject the gospel to those who are perishing. The gospel of Jesus Christ will always accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. It'll always accomplish exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ wants it to accomplish. You might not be the answer in everybody's life. You might sow, someone else will water, someone else will reap, but be faithful. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Be faithful in their case, verse 4 says, the God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the glory, excuse me, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world is blinded. That idea of the God of this world is not used anywhere else in Scripture. Um, that sentence, except the principle of it's found in lots of different places in Scripture, but this the I the gospel is 
is being blinded by the, in the minds of unbelievers by, by, the, by the God of this world, who is Satan, who is uh, trying to cover up eyes. And, and that's why it's so encouraging and so helpful for me when I uh, talk with someone or I preach the gospel. It's not my job to save them. not my job to do that. I, can, I can't bring somebody who is dead to life. Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and he made you alive in Jesus Christ. So for the person who's like, no, I'm on this journey seeking to God, and I found him. And it's like, yeah, you only found him because he triggered and he brought you from a place of death to a place of trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, and he did that work. And so I have this great hope that my job is to be faithful. Um, somebody came up to me after church one time and said, you know, I can't tell if you're a Calvinist or an Arminian. And I said, uh, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, sometimes when you preach, I'm convinced you're a Calvinist. And other times you preach, and you like preach the gospel, and you're like, just trust the Lord. And I, I'm convinced you're an Arminian. I go, that might be the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me in my entire life. He said, well, I go, my job is to preach the gospel. My job is to cast the net. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit, will draw who he draws. And, and God will do that work. So we need to be people who are faithful be faithful. And the next thing I want you to see is we need to be people who are, are bold. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, for we proclaim, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus Christ. Uh, this boldness that he could have was because it wasn't about him. The message about the cross, the message is about the Lord Jesus Christ. The message is about the transformation that happens when someone puts their faith and trust in the work and the finished work of Christ that's been accomplished for them. So we can be bold in our message and bold because it's the power of the Spirit. And it says, has shone in our hearts, that shining in our hearts, that's the working of the Holy Spirit in us. And so be bold. Be bold. If you're a person who is wrestling in your faith and struggling in your walk, you need to ask yourself the question, am I being faithful? Am I being bold? Am I really trusting the Lord with this message of Jesus Christ, that message that is the gospel? And maybe you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ. You've come to church. If you've come to this church, you've heard the gospel. Um, and you've heard the gospel many times, but you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's, it's not something you do. Salvation is not something you can earn. Salvation is not something you deserve. And there's none righteous, not even one. No one seeks after God, the Bible says. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So it's a transferring of your trust from what you believe in from what you're hoping in, I'm going to try harder. I'll get there. The scale will balance in my favor. Eh, wrong answer. I, I'm going to be the best I can be. I'm going to do good to everybody I can do good to. And eh, wrong answer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And if you've never trusted Christ, never trusted Christ, it's the simplest thing to do and the hardest thing to do at the same time. It's the simplest thing to do because it's all taken care of for you. It's paid, delivered. 
We came to uh, Ottawa today, went to the motel. I checked in, the arrangements were all made, was paid, didn't have to worry about anything. The gospel, all done for you in Jesus Christ. But it's the hardest thing to do because you have to set aside your pride. You have to set aside who you think you are. You have to set aside, no, 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 I'm gonna be okay. You're not gonna be okay. And then you put your trust, you transfer your trust. I'm putting all of my hope in Jesus Christ. That's where my hope is. That's the gospel. Be faithful, be bold. But here's the next thing, be humble. Be humble. And don't be arrogant. Don't be proudful. In your, in your boldness and in your faithfulness, do it with a sense of humility. Look at verse seven. But we have this treasure. What treasure? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. We have this treasure, what? In jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So what are these jars of clay that he's talking about? He's talking about kind of the everyday dishes in your house, not the fine china. The gospel has been put in us. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, we are his ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. It's awesome to me that God uses us in the process of salvation for other people, but he does. But we're jars of clay. We're jars of clay. In our house, we have fine china. We've lived in our house for how long now? 14 years. It's been out once. Because Sue's afraid to bring it out because she's afraid I'm going to break something. Right? And when the, when the fine china comes out, the tablecloth goes on and everything gets set well. And if you've got little children, like your heart's just palpitating. There's no way that $75 plate is going to get broken by my four-year-old. Like, so the stuff just stays in the closet. doesn't ever come out, right? Um, my daughter... My daughter, when she goes to get her dishes, um, she buys them at Dollar Tree. Because when one of the kids drops it on the floor and it smashes, it's like $2 to replace the plate, right? Okay, so we're kind of like the Dollar Tree plates. Except the picture that's being given here is not that we're not important. The picture here is not that we're not significant. The picture here is what that bowl contains is what's important. So don't get your eyes on the silverware. Don't get your eyes on the fine china. Get your eyes on what's inside. So when Paul is saying, be faithful and be bold, then he says, but we have this treasure, this gospel, this eternal life um, to show the surpassing power belongs to God. So we get the focus on the right thing, that he must increase in all of these things. I must decrease in these things. And if we're going to be people who are um, not losing heart, we're people with a, a great humility, a great humility. First um, Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Um, Verse 80 goes on and he starts to paint a picture and he says, we are afflicted in every way. Um, look what it says. Just take a look at those verses. We're jars of clay, but we have this treasure. But we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. 
we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Because we know, we know the one who we are trusting in. We know the one who holds us. We know, the, we know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I just love how he paints that picture. He talks about in the next verses, always carrying around in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us. Dying to self, all of those things. Why? So that um, you would have life. And then in verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke and we also believed and so we also speak. God helping us to be uh, people of God who are humble in how we serve. Understanding it's all about him. It's all about what's in the cracked pot. It's all what's in the, the Dollar Tree bowl. It's all that, it's the gospel. It's the hope of glory that we have. In verse 13, he says, since we have the same spirit of faith, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. And then he gives this last point, I was saying, that's be hopeful. And then my first point, be hopeful. Knowing what? Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus, like that is the foundation. That's what it all comes back to for us. The gospel of Jesus Christ is complete in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the one who now intercedes on our behalf. It says, um, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Don't lose heart. You have this ministry by the mercy of God. Here's the second half of the message. Don't lose heart. We have this ministry for the glory of God. We have this ministry for the glory of God. We have it by the mercy of God, and we have it for the glory of God. Of God. The concept of the glory of God is all over this passage. It's in verse 4, it's in verse 6, it's in verse 15, and it's here in verse 17. Um, God's glory is demonstrated and seen all over the passage, but for us, we need to see God's glory. We need to be people who are about the glory of God. Hey, when you come to church, do you come to church to be focused on the glory of God? Or do you come to church for what you can get? Or I have to serve? Or and those, it's okay to serve in church. If nobody serves, we don't have church. But when you come to church, uh, when you or if you're watching, when you're when you're sitting at home, is is your purpose for the glory of God? Are you looking for God's glory or are you wondering whether the drummer missed a beat or the guy on the bass didn't come in at the right time or, or the, the worship leader, you know, he, I think he missed his cue there. I'm not, like, really? For the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, the Bible says, do all for the glory of God. 
Do all for the glory of God. How, how do you see the glory of God? Where, where do we go to see the glory of God? Well, you can see the glory of God in his creation. Um, Sue and I, as we were driving out here uh, yesterday, we stopped in Belleville to see her sister, and then we're driving along, and, and we're just realizing how few people there really are in Canada. Like, there's a lot of bush between here and Toronto, right? There's a lot, but a lot of beautiful creation. Um, and we were talking about that. We were talking some of the outcrops, and, and we said, we're driving up 416, and as you're coming up 416, there are places like you just can't see anybody, right? And it was like, we could be like 300 miles north in Ontario right now. Um, probably some more rocks. Um, and you wouldn't run into anybody for three days. I know I get all that. But we were just thinking about God's creation and what he's made and how beautiful and awesome it is. As we were driving out on the 401, there was a big thunder cloud in front of us. And Sue's got her camera out taking pictures of it, like God's creation. You see God's glory, you see it in his creation, but if you don't look for it, you don't see it. And you have to look for it in his creation. You, you see it in God's attributes as you study God's word. You see his holiness and his justice and his love and so many more things. You see God's glory in his son. Um, you, you prayed when we prayed before the service. You talked about how Jesus Christ came and what he surrendered and wasn't holding on to. Philippians chapter 2. And we see the glory of God in his son. We see the glory of God in his word. You see the glory of God in your transformed life. If you can't see God's glory anywhere else, then remember the gospel and remember the day you trusted Jesus Christ and give God the glory for what he did. You see God's glory in the working of his spirit. And so he says in verse 15, for it's all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving for the glory of God so we do not lose heart. So here's the first thing. I see the glory of God in grace that's extended. See the glory of God in grace that's extended. It's right in verse 15. And see the working of God in salvation, somebody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And, and see God's working in that. See God's working in your own salvation. See, stop and remember and see God's glory in those things. See God's, not in saving grace, but in forgiving grace. Maybe that person who forgave you, you didn't deserve it, you didn't earn it, but somebody forgave you for something. The gospel for sure. But then maybe even in your um, willingness to come and be forgiving to someone else and see God's grace in forgiveness, see God's grace in persevering, um, and that you stick with it, that you don't give up, but that the Lord sticks with it and he doesn't give up. You're 70 times, seven times for forgiveness. It ran out like 20 years ago and God is still forgiving. He's still faithful. He's still, would we remember those things? See God in his grace extended. Next thing I would say is remember. Remember Thanksgiving expressed we live in a world that's always pushing forward, always to what's the next thing, to what's the next thing, to what's the next thing. You wanna see God's glory, you have to stop and remember. Um, in our prayer time before the service, we're talking about praise. Well, how do you praise? You praise by stopping and remembering. You, you, you don't praise if you're just looking out there. You praise because you're like, oh, Lord, you're so good. Thank you for what you've done. Now we trust you for what you're gonna do. 
filled with thanksgiving. Well, how are you thankful? You're thankful because you look back. So some people look back and all they see are the bumps in the road and the things that didn't work out the way they wanted and the frustration of all of that. We're not talking about that. You have to let those things go. But it's great to look back and remember and see God's goodness and see God's faithfulness and see what he's done. And he talks about this in this text. Uh, For it's all for your sake, so as grace extends more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving. Are you a person with a thankful heart? Um, how about doing an inventory? If, if, you're, if you're wrestling, if you're one of those, yeah, I'm losing heart, then when you go home tonight, get a piece of paper out and sit down and just count your blessings and see what God has done and see his goodness and see his faithfulness and just start writing them down and writing them down and writing them down. And if you run out, get somebody to come and sit down because they'll give you another 20. You should have pages of them. The writer in this text, he talks about grace extended to more and more people to the glory of God so that we do not lose heart. I talk about that and I'd say this, we need to look with expectant hope. We need to look with expectant hope. And we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Um, Our outer self is wasting away. I'm going to turn 64 um, this September the 3rd. If you want to send me a gift, feel free to do that. I'm going to turn 64. And I hurt in places I didn't even know I had 10 years ago, right? This outer self is wasting away. And if your hope is only in the outer self, it is wasting, wasting away. And so the writer, Paul, is looking forward with expectant hope. Look what he says in verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're going through is preparing you as a follower of Jesus Christ for for the eternal glory that is to come. And you're like, yeah, but you don't know how hard my life is. You don't know how difficult it is for me. No, I don't. But I know how difficult it was for Paul because he tells us. So flip over a couple of pages in your Bible. This is an important text to go to. And uh, uh, flip over there into uh, chapter 11. And verses 23 to 28. Because Paul talks about this. He says, this momentary affliction. And in this verses, he describes his light momentary affliction. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking, am I talking like a madman? With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. 
Anybody match up to that? The worst week of my life doesn't even get into his league. He says, these momentary afflictions. See, Paul understood something. There was something coming that was far greater. And he was going to get his eyes fixed on what was far greater than the hope that he had. But he doesn't end there. I ended there. But he doesn't end there. As he goes on, he says, apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. For all the churches. And those of you who serve, you know what that weight can be like. When you see someone who's not walking as they should, when you're wrestling with how you're walking and all the rest, he had this, this weight of all of the churches. He goes, yeah, I've got all that stuff, but he says, but then I got this weight of all of the ministry. And he says, light, momentary affliction. But the text doesn't end there, thankfully, because um, our light, momentary affliction um, it's light compared to what we deserve. Our affliction is light compared to what Jesus suffered for us. Our affliction is com light compared to the blessings that we enjoy. Our affliction is light as we experience the sustaining power of God's grace. Our affliction is light when we see the glory that it leads to. Our affliction can be light when it's compared to other people. But he goes on and he says this in, um, in verse 18, he says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're going to go away. But the things that are unseen, they are eternal. Where do you have your eyes fixed in these days? I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to lose heart. So what? I like to take my text and finish with the so what. That helps me. So what? I'm not going to lose heart. What, what I have in front of me right now, Lord, it might be too big for me, but it's not too big for us. And so I'm going to trust you. Uh, Lord, I, I've got so much in front of me, but what, what you could have poured out on me, you haven't poured out on me. I have this ministry, your family, your job, your role in the church, your service for Christ. I've, by God's mercy, poured out in you. So I'm not going to lose heart. And I have this ministry for the glory of God. Helping me, God, every day, a little bit more, working at it. Don't think, don't think I've got it all figured out. I work at it every day. Some days are better than others. But I'm going to do this for the glory of God of God, and I'm gonna do it in a way that I'm gonna be faithful, I'm gonna be bold, I'm gonna be humble, I'm gonna be hopeful. Maybe this is a message to help you regain some perspective today. And getting your eyes off of self and off of circumstances and on to the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would serve him, because what you deserve is nothing. He's given you everything. Oh, God, help me to serve for the fame and glory of Jesus Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. This is an amazing chapter, Father. You've used this in my life over these last two years in COVID and coming out of COVID and serving you. I have this mercy, this ministry by the mercy of God. I stand and serve our churches by the mercy of God.
I stand and serve our churches by the grace of God. But I stand and serve our churches for the glory of God. Would that be true in the way I, I serve my family? Would that be true in the way that I, I serve my neighbors? Would that be true? And as it's true of me, would it be true of each of us that we'd be people of God with eyes fixed on Jesus Christ for his fame, for his glory? We pray in Jesus' name.